You are now tuned in to The Gifted Gab. All right. We live back with another 1K. I don't know which camera I'm looking at. Probably this one. We're live back with another 1K. I got my man Tashawn in here. Uh, Big Brother Canada, season nine winner. Um, fuck. What more do I need to say, bro? You, you can finish it off, man. Yo, Shit. thank you for having me, man. I'm more than that, you know. I'm more than that, my guy. Of course. Student athlete, former urban planner. Um, Shit, what am I? I'm missing a lot, bro. College basketball referee, bartender. Oh, yeah, fuck. Remember bartender? I was bartending. Bro, I used too. to see you at my, some of my games, bro. Yeah. You used to be at Seville, right? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah. I, ref, I was refing college ball, too. I was doing it all. How was it? Honestly, hardest job out there. Nobody likes you. The whole gym just hates uh, you. you. Bro, I used to hear, I heard that as a hooper, you realize this that you could tell when a ref is good when you don't know him or notice him. Yeah. It's, you know it's, I mean? it's very true, yeah. right? And, it really helped me learn how to deal with not being liked by people. Like, being okay when people don't like you. Because when you're the ref, people don't love the ref. You don't go to the ref all the time and be like, good job today, man. Oh, fucking no, Like, bro. it's rare. As a hooper, you probably had those in encounters where you see a ref and you just, like, something about him just makes your blood boil. You know what I mean? You run into him, you're like, okay, that call was not the right fucking call, bro. What's, what's going on? Like, have you, how, so how is it now being in the, in the ref side? Like, I get it now. Yeah. You don't see everything. Like, you just don't, right? The thing about me is, because I was a player, I get, autom I get a little bit more respect because I look like I played the game. I'm not just some fat, bald, white guy that's trying to yell up the gym and tell everybody to get out of the gym. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm actually, like, you look at me like, oh, okay, you probably played. So I get that respect. And then I'm honest. Like, mm -hmm. if I mess something up, I'm just straight. Like, I didn't see it. Honestly. Yo, a lot of refs love to bullshit. Like, those, I'm not doing that. There, there's a lot of prideful refs. And I hate that shit, man. Even my coach, my old coach, um, shout out Barnaby, bro, he used to have the most, the biggest disagreements with certain refs because they know they're wrong. They, come on, bro, it's travel. What are you doing? No, no, you mean we're good. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of instances there where I'm just like, I don't know, refing could be, it's, it's a tough job, right? A lot of them didn't play. Yeah. But that's why we need more people like you and I to do that kind of work yeah. so that there's more there's more diversity at that table and people who played at a high level. We don't, they just don't have it, right? Mm -hmm. And when you think about a lot of people who were refs, not to diss on the community or anything, a lot of them didn't play high level ball. So it's like, this is their, this is their high level ball. So you it's think, like they take it serious, right? Think that's why they got into refing? To feel that experience? Or is it just something else? I think there's so many reasons why people get into refing. It's, you're, you're a part of a community, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of, in life, Relationships is what defines us a lot of times. Like it's it's who we interact with. And a lot of people just want to be a part of something. Sure. Refing is one of those things where it's like I made so many friends refing, and you actually feel like you're part of a you're part of a crew. It's like basketball. Like some of my closest friends I met through basketball, including you, bro. I had a crazy story. I don't know if you remember this, bro. The first time I ever met you, I was you don't even remember this. I was grade five, uh, Gannon Baker camp, Iona. It was really? you. It was you and your, I think your your pops was coaching there yeah. too. You remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. me, like Jalen was there. Uh, all the monarchs guys were there. Eli, Dylan. It was like, and I, I remember seeing your face. I'm like, oh shit. You know, I think you were, were you at monarchs at the time. Or yeah, probably. But Wells and them. Wells was there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. You know, this is like 2000. Early 2000. Oh, shit, seven. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, it's moments like that where you kind of realize how strong the community is when it comes to basketball. 100%. You know? And I feel like it might be that same way with refing too, right? It is. It's just, it's different because they weren't players. Yeah. But it's it's the same in the sense that like basketball brings 
so many people together. Yeah. It, it's just, it's unbelievable, right? And then you take the game for what it is and remember that, the love that you have for the game is endless. How are you using the game right now into, into the transition that you've made? I still rap. I just do it on like way less, like I, 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 it's very inf infrequent that I'm reffing games, but like yeah. I, still, I still do it. I also work for a nonprofit, which is basketball based. So I teach refing. I teach referee. Sorry, I have a teacher refing course to um, youth so that they have an opportunity to get into it so we can get more people that look like us on the court. Yeah. So I do a little bit of that. And I still play. Men's yeah, I see, I see you. you know, little, yeah, I see you. I, you know, the pandemic, the <laughs> pandemic hurt me. Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, the pandemic, yeah. it, it hurt my game. I'm not even going to lie to you. You're not getting the reps up, obviously. I haven't hooped in a minute, too, bro. It's hard to get gym time sometimes, right? Exactly, yeah. right? My knees are hurting. I'm a little bit heavier. Yeah, it just doesn't feel the same. You feel like you're, like, 20 years older in two months. <sighs> Trust me. So what are we doing here? Trust me. Like, it's yeah. not, ball doesn't feel the same. Yeah, no, when you, when you put down a rock, like, for me, I'll speak on myself, it was, uh... It was a game changer, not to be punny, but it was a game changer. Like, I felt like a, a part of myself was gone. Cause this is something that, you know, me and you both played since we were kids, since we were young. And to now take that part and just say, okay, let me, let me put it over here. Let's focus on other things. It was a tough decision. And I want to ask, how was that with you? So I actually talk a lot about this in, in some of the speaking that I do. I have, a, I have a talk that I do that's called an open letter to athletes. And it really talks about that transition out of being a varsity athlete into the real world. And for me, it's having that self-realization that you, that life moves on completely without you. Like your jersey is a next man's jersey the next year. Yeah. It's like you didn't even exist anymore. And then you go into a real world. So you go from a world where you're recognized, you're bigged up, everyone's like, yo, this guy plays ball, you're a baller, and you have an identity. You go into the real world, working your nine to five, and man's are looking at you like, who is well, this? Oh, you played, oh. Wow. Okay, you played ball, great. Anyways, do, do you have the report on my desk yeah. by five o'clock? Like, it's just like, no one looks, no one bigs you up, no one's holding your hand, no one's yeah. doing anything for you. It's a reality check, it's an ego check. It's everything. It's everything, right? And it's not an easy transition for me. And for me, it was, it was tough. Like I was still, I was still refing, which mm -hmm. kept me in the community, but I was still missing that, that Come brotherhood, on, that camaraderie. Yeah, like yeah. I was missing that, right? It, was, it wasn't easy and it just, it took time and it took me realizing that I have to find something new that I'm passionate about. Yeah, and you I think know. that's something that a lot of former hoopers and current hoopers that are gonna transition out are, are struggling with. So they need programs like what you just said to, to kind of help them facilitate them into that, that new uh, identity. Cause bro, I'll tell you like, it's, it's struggling on you physically, but mentally it's, it's a huge, it's a huge weight that you're dealing with, right? Cause like you said, you're dealing with like the camaraderie you know, the practices, the traveling you do, the, like those moments are priceless that you'll never forget, right? And then now you're in the real world. Now your boss just wants to report by five. You gotta <laughs> it's deal, not you like gotta, that. You gotta deal with traffic going home now, rush out. Like you're dealing with all these real life situations. And, and it's not to say that as student athletes, we were in a bubble, but it was, it was something that was comfortable for us and, and valuable for us. Right, but I want to take it back to that, that mental health aspect, man, because that's something a lot, of, a lot of athletes, not even basketball people, but athletes suffer with, right? So um, I see you have that Mental Health Monday, bro. I love, I love what you're doing there, bro. Thank you, Talk a little you. bit about that. So for me, it was about, here's where I'll bring it to, because like I, I, after Big Brother, and we'll get to that after, yeah, but yeah. after Big Brother and winning $100,000, you think that, I think a lot of us have this vision in life that if we get this thing, we will be happy. If we do this, we will be happy. 
And throughout my life, I started realizing, like, even with university, graduate university, you'll be happy. You graduate university, you're like, okay, what's next? You get the job you want, you'll be happy. What's next? I win $100,000. You think in your mind, like, this guy is good. And I realize I'm like, nah, like. What's next? What's next? I don't feel satisfied. I don't feel fulfilled. I actually feel nervous and a lot of pressure and anxiety right. because everybody's looking at you. What's next, bro? What are you going to do next? You got to do 50 minutes of fame. You got to do yeah, something. You got to do. Yeah. And it's like everybody's in my ear trying to tell me what I should be doing, what I should be doing next. Can I borrow some money? Oh, Can I like man. everybody has something to say about where I'm at and where I should go. And that was overwhelming for me. Well, now you're in a different tax bracket. One. <laughs> Two, you're no, nah, they all just decide. Two, you're you're dealing with like you said, people are going to be asking their hands out more. And three, you're, like you have all these outside opinions now, bro. So how are you? How are you like kind of filtering that from the good ones, from the bad? Like how do you? It took me a lot of time, and that's how I ended up getting into my mental health Monday because I saw that even with the things that I was perceived to have, I still didn't feel good internally. Yeah. Which led me to believe that I'm looking at a lot of people, whether it's people who are really close to me or people who I just have on social media who may also be struggling too, who appear to be happy. Because they have every, it looks like they have everything together, but they don't. And I felt like I didn't have things together, but I had everything that people would say they wanted. Mm -hmm. Right? You have the money, you had, you got the publicity, you got what everybody wanted. And I'm still, I'm just like, nah, this like, ain't man, it. You still feel empty in a sense. Yeah, there's a sense yeah. of emptiness. And, and that's when I started realizing, started reading a little bit more about that. And it's like, that has to come from within. There's nothing that you're going to get externally that's going to make you feel that satisfaction, that centeredness, that, that feeling within as if, you know, I'm happy. It yeah. doesn't come from someone else. It doesn't come from something else. It's a temporary happiness. Whenever you, like for me, if I go shopping, mm -hmm. I get a new hoodie or whatever. I'm like, okay, this makes me feel nice for the next hour or two. Yeah. But then um, I seen an article or study that compared buying goods to buying experiences or living experiences. And, you know, I'm at an age now where I'm like, yo, would I pop that bottle at this club or would I rather take that vacation overseas? You know what I mean? I think... There's decisions, there's smart decisions, and there's, there's bad ones. <laughs> you know, buying bottles at the club is a bad one. You feel 100%. me? Like, there's, there's certain things when, when you get older, you make some more financially smart decisions. So that's, uh, that's something that I've seen you've been doing recently, bro, traveling a lot. Traveling is my passion. I can right? tell. Like, it's, I think it's one of the best forms of education. Like you learn about so many different people around the world, and you just get to explore and see different places. Yeah. Right. What's the craziest thing you ever seen traveling, bro? Craziest thing I ever seen traveling. I don't know. I never actually thought about it. what's the craziest thing I ever seen. Cause I mean, you've been to a, you've been to a lot of places, no? Mm hmm. I don't know. Like, that's hard to say. Like, I, I can't. <laughs> like, I can't even think of what the craziest yeah, thing I would have yeah. seen traveling. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on the on the education aspect. I think traveling really opens up your horizons. When you're in the same city, the same area, you kind of get, I guess, boxed in, mm -hmm. right? You're having the same conversation with the same people. And just to tie it back to what this is, for me right now, when I interview different people and talk to different people, that feels like traveling to me, bro. Because I'm, I'm opening up to different people. I'm getting their perspective. They're getting mine. But I feel like that's a big part of what traveling does. Yeah. Right? You're having conversations with people that, like, lived a completely different lifestyle from you. You might not even know the privileges you had beforehand before traveling, right? So 
Has that kind of shifted with you recently or? Yeah, it's, it really helps you reflect on your own life yeah. and really see the way other people live. Recently, I've even started traveling alone. Like there's a lot of times yeah, where I actually either travel to meet up with friends or I actually just go on a trip alone yeah. because I know I'll meet people. I know I'll have a good time. And I'm old though, bro. That's really old. It is. But at the same time, it's like when you are alone, you don't always get the same experience you would if you had went with people. Right, because again, you may have only done the things that you try to be. When you go on a trip with someone, for most, for the most part, you're trying to be agreeable with them. Like you're trying to like make sure that they're good, you're good. But when you're alone, you're just making sure you just do what you want. You're not compensating for anyone. Nobody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The worst part is when the worst time is when you're traveling with cheap people, bro. Yo. For me, it's scared people. <laughs> It's the people that like, oh, I'm not leaving the resort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving. Yo, nah, they're gonna kidnap that. us. They're gonna this, they're gonna that. Yo. What are you doing here, bro? It's not that deep. You paid two racks. Just have, just, <laughs> you might as well go on. Like, what are you doing here, bro? Yeah. <laughs> nah, that's some real shit. Like, 100%. It's the cheap people and the scary people that don't want to get outside their comfort. I can't. Man, and, I've, and I've done that. Yeah. Like, I've traveled with people that's like, nah, we're not doing that, bro. Like, nah, we don't know wrong. these people. What do you mean? Yeah. We're really, gonna kidnap us? We're all like 6'6. <laughs> six, six. Like, who's kidnapping us? You know what I mean? So it's like, I've seen that. So yeah. it's like, there's a place for that kind of traveling, there but yeah. there's also a place for me just, I like to just do what I want. Yeah, there's, right? there's, there's freedom in it. There's, it's mm. exploration at the end of the day, right? Mm. I think that's just about getting older, bro. You just want to learn not only about yourself, but about other places too, right? Like we're both from the city. We're both from Peel. We're both, we see the same things every day, right? But oddly enough, bro, I've, I've met you, not met you, but I reconnected with you in Edmonton, out Thanks. west. What brought you out there, first of all? I want to start with that. My ex. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm gonna, actually, no, I went out there. One of my friends had a job out there at yeah. the government of Alberta one summer. And I had a chance to either work here in Toronto and get paid, you know what they pay here, $12 an hour, $11 an hour yeah. back in the day. Or I could get $20 an hour out in Alberta. I'm like, I could spend the summer with my friends and make $12 an hour. Or I could, again, do me yeah. and make some bread before I go do my master's. And I'm like, I'm gonna go get the money and see something new. Yeah, was that a decision you made on your own or was it kind of just oh, yeah. you, your ex or anything? No, this is before I met her. Oh, so originally I had went out there okay. to work and then I met her out there. Yeah. And then when I came back, so then I ended up going to McGill to do my master's in Montreal and we did long distance for a couple of years and then I moved to Edmonton. Yeah, Right. I won't lie bro, being out west, cause a lot of times when I'm in Edmonton, I see a lot of people from back home. Yeah. And it's the most random thing where you're just, what are, you, what are you doing out here, bro? Like, I just, you just, you have those, those thoughts coming to your mind. Like, what are you, what's going on? Like, what are you doing out here? And that kind of happened with, uh, with you where I saw you at, a, what was it, like the Jamaican spot, bro? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Getting a cut. You're, I think you were waiting in line too. It was just random. Like, it felt, it's, it's good too because you feel like you have a piece of home in a foreign place, right? And not to say Edmonton's like Europe or anything, but it's nice to see people from where you're from in other areas, right? 100%. I always found I was meeting somebody. It felt like on a weekly basis. You're in the mall. You're like, yo, what are you doing yeah, out what here? Are you, what are you saying? Everybody yeah. had like some kind of like backstory yeah, like, yeah, about just... how they got there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know nice. what I mean? Some complicated yo. back twisted story. Like, yo, I knew somebody and then I got a job and then the job. Like, yeah. everybody. It's this beauty in it, bro. I remember I saw a girl I went to middle school with. Like, she was like, like one of my OGs from Woodlands. And uh, I remember I was at West Edmonton Mall, bro. I had to do like a double take. I'm like, what are you, what's going on? What are you doing out here? She's like, yeah, I'm just, just trying to get it, man. Just, you know, working out a few things. I'm like, shit, dude, keep doing you, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's funny. It's really funny. But um, yeah, you mentioned you went to McGill too. You're being a student athlete out there. How was that? It was, McGill was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was Montreal. 
It, I have a lot of family in Montreal too. Yeah. So my got my grandparents got to come and watch me you were, play. Were you, you were born there, no? Yeah, I was born yeah. there too. So it was it was a real unreal experience because it's like my grandparents can now come watch me at my games. I'm living in Montreal. Montreal's a dope city. Because before that, I was, in, I, was in, I was at Laurentian in Sudbury. So big transition from going from a real small town to a big city. It's like sticks to the, to the city. Yeah. Exactly, right? So I had a lot of fun. Um, and then I, went to, I, got to, I got to see what Nationals was like. Like, I had never been to Nationals. And we weren't at that, at the time, we weren't at that level at Laurentian. Yeah, you so to play on a contender team, yeah. I think, was a lot of fun. I got to see, like, you know, the, the culture that this team had and learn from that experience and really learn how to win. Yeah, and we ended up winning the provincial championship, but we didn't, we didn't win at nationals. That was hard. Yeah, our national is tough, man. Bro, it I is. went there four years straight. We didn't win once, bro. <laughs> it's yo to this day, man. It still bugs me, bro. But we actually did beat Miguel. We beat Miguel once. Oh, one time you yeah, beat them. Yeah, we actually came to your we came to your home and we beat them. But um, yeah, nationals is no joke, man. No, no joke, joke at all. It's but, like it's, there's a big difference between like the regular season and OUA and Canada West, and then actually going there because yo. It was a wake-up call. 100%. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's different. But Bro, I want to I wanna get into what the people have been waiting for, man. Big Brother 9, man. Season 9, bro. How's it feel? You still on that high or how you feeling now? I wouldn't say I'm still on the high. Like, it's still like it's still a part of me and it always will be. Mm -hmm. But it's not something I want to define my life by. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's one of the biggest achievements I've had in my life. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, to be able to not only win, but tell a story while doing it, mm -hmm. I think was really special to me. Because it was like, it wasn't just that I won, it was like, you're the first black winner, right? And I talked about diversity and inclusion. I seen that. I, I talked was, about yeah. toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. I talked about all the things I really wanted to talk about and achieved that and still won. And I, and I thought that was really big. And I, I overcame a lot of doubt in myself, right? Like, when I first got there, I, I didn't really go there thinking I could win. I just wonder for the experience. I'm like, oh, really? this is different. Like, you, there was never a point where you thought, like, yo, I'm, I'm going to crush all these guys, and you just wanted to. When I got there, I think I had a in my mind. I'm just like, these people will never let me get far. Like, yeah. I'm a big black guy. Like, they're gonna like eventually. Now nah, I got. He's got to yeah, go. And at the start, that's what it was trending toward. Like, they picked me first. There was ladies like, oh, you're so big and strong. Like, we're going to pick you first on our team. Like, I remember, you yeah, you're the first, first? You're the first pick. I remember like, that. Come on. Like, you're it, was you and, it was you and, uh, and just, Jetson. Yeah, yeah, Justin. And are putting targets <laughs> on our backs. Yeah, I was rolling So I'm you. like, damn. So I'm like, yeah. they're going to be after me. And then, all like, the first part of the season is like, the boys. We got to get the boys out. We got to get the boys out. Mm -hmm. They're talking about Jetson and I. Mm -hmm. But Jetson made it a situation for me where it could be easy when he got into a showman's and made himself a bigger target and really allowed me to fade into the back. Yeah, it took some of the spotlight off. I just faded right into the back. I'm yeah. like, I'm just gonna chill over here. You guys do your thing. You guys can make all the big decisions, take all the credit you want. I'll tell you guys what to do. Or I'll give my input, but you guys can take all the credit. That's probably one of the smartest things I've seen yet, bro. Right? I've seen uh, what I liked uh, during the season, bro. You guys formed that isosceles triangle. That's probably what sauce. I'm yeah. the sauce. I'm big on math, so you knew like yeah. the sauce was a big part of that season. Um, I think it's one of the greatest alliances to oh, never man. win. I, thought, I think okay. it was. Yeah. I would say so. You know what? It just didn't work out um, because like trust eventually broke between us. I mean, eventually it's, it's something that was bound to happen. Because right? only one winner could, could win, right? So I mean... That's, that's the tricky thing about being on a show where there's only one winner. It, to me, it feels like Hunger Games without the hunger, right? You it know is. exactly that, okay, 
I'm, I'm your buddy here. I'm, you, we can talk and, and can reveal all your emotions to me. But at the end of the day, like, I'm trying to crush you. <laughs> like, isn't that the back of on all your minds, or am I am I wrong here? One hundred percent. I think the biggest part of that game is you know there's only one winner, but it's timing. Yeah. Like you're trying to figure out when am I going to have to turn on these people? Like when's the right time and when does it make sense? Because yeah. it's like you guys are like, oh, we're going to. Every, everybody's trying to tell each other they're going to the end together, but you don't know who's telling you the truth. You don't know who's lying to you, and you also don't know when you start playing for yourself. Yeah. So it stops being a team game and starts becoming the end game, and you play for you. And for me, it was like my body just told me. I just felt inside that it's time for me to turn on my people and play for myself. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up doing it exactly at the right time. Mm-hmm. And it worked out, obviously. It did work out. People yeah. always ask me, do you have any regrets and decisions you made? I'm like, nah. I mean, bro, that 100, that 100K is, <laughs> that's, that's all the regret I need, bro. I'm good. That's, yo, <laughs> that's crazy, man. Because I feel like that game is, you have to be strategic in it. Right, you have to be intentional in it, but knowing your personality, I felt like it was perfect for that game, man. A lot of people said that. Yeah. Actually, one of my friends who I didn't even watch, I was never a Big Brother fan prior to it. Really? So, no, I wasn't a fan of the show, but I always had a friend that was like, if you ever went on Big Brother, you'd win. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? She's just like, yo, you, there's just, you just know how to navigate certain situations. You know what role to play, you know how to be. You know. She'd always say that to me, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. But then when I got there, and as I saw things starting to unfold, I kind of was start to understand what she meant, because my strategy was very simple. What was like it? Just listen more than you speak. That's right? life. Just listen more That's than you a, speak. Yeah. People will tell you everything if you just listen. Everybody wants. A lot of people have big personalities, big egos. They want to just do all the talking. So I just listen. <laughs> right? I was like, let me listen. Right. One of the other ones was just. Be authentic with everybody. Treat them as you want to be treated. And don't try to suck up to them when you need them. Mm-hmm. And don't treat them bad when they're in a bad place. Right? So always treat everybody the same, no matter what the situation was. Yeah, man. And I think this goes back to what we were saying before. A lot of, you, don't, you never know what someone's going through. Right? I could see you guys walking on the road, and he could have the worst day of his life. And you just never know what he's going through. And that, that goes back to, um, I was saying this earlier, like, people are really good at acting. People are very good at acting. I could, I could ask some of my friends, yo, how, how's your day going? I was blessed, bro. It's good. Yeah, you're good? Yeah, I'm good. Meanwhile, they just had the worst day of their life. Like, there's, there's a lot of acting and people, I don't even know sometimes they're realizing that they're acting, right? Like, it's, they've become so accustomed just telling everyone, yeah, I'm, I'm in a good place, I'm blessed, but really they're not. And uh, what you're doing now with, with the Mental Health Mondays and, and you are talking about branding before and, like, being your authentic self on that, that's big, bro. That's gonna make a huge difference. Like I want go into that more. Like how did you even come across that, and how did you? What was your motive behind that? Mental health Monday in general. Yeah, mental health Mondays, but also because before you're saying like you're posting once every three months. It was on the beach, shirt off. But now, now if you saw if you shot to Sean like two years ago compared to now, you could tell there's a difference. There is right? a difference. Right now, I I think I'm using social media with more intention, whereas before it was very much. I just posted the shirt off pics on the beach, kind of just being like, yo, you guys look at me, I'm, I'm chilling. <laughs> right now it's like, I want to tell a story because I realized that I have a platform that has impacted people and that there's a bigger purpose for me than just showing off what I look like. There's more to, there's more there to deliver. Like there's a bigger yeah. story to tell. There's a bigger impact that I can have on this world. There's an impact I've already had. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how can I continue to have that impact in a positive way? And 
tell a story that's actually authentic to me while still helping others. Yeah. Right? Because I, I realize that I really do get joy from helping people. That's what actually makes me feel good. Like, I can go to the mall and buy something for myself, and I'll be like, yeah, I felt yeah, great. Cool. But if I went to the mall and bought something for you and you loved it, that feeling is different. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a different kind of feeling that I get. Yeah. And that's kind of what it is for me. It's like, I want to tell that real authentic story. And y'all, my Instagram doesn't get the most likes. It doesn't get the most love. But the DMs I get sometimes that are just like, yo, bro, you don't even know how I need to hear this message. Just one message like that is enough for me. You're saving a couple of people, man. And I think that goes a long way because a lot of times with content and, and posting and things, you don't know who's seeing it. You don't know who's interacting with it. And you don't know who may like it or may not. Right, but at the end of the day, if you're making that one difference to someone, it's it's that's all that really matters. There's a, one of my favorite movies of all time, bro. It's called Pay It Forward. I don't know if you heard of that, but it's about like a guy who is a it's like a professor who teaches like this kid like pay it forward, tell that person to pay it forward, tell that person, to pay, and eventually it'll come around, you know. And I think that's something just we need more of nowadays, bro. There's, there's just too much. There's a lot of negativity. Everyone has their issues. It's, we got COVID. We got you know. Everyone's in, there's a lot of debt going, like every, there's so many issues, right? And I think it's important to have, I guess, uh, models like what you're doing to kind of affect that, you know? You're so right. And we're, yeah. and we're in such an emotionally charged time. Like, let's be real. Bro. Like, you open up your Instagram, you're hearing people be like, vaccine, no vaccine, end the match. Like, it's just so much anger <laughs> and people throwing things back and forth. Yeah. We're in cancel culture too. Everybody's ready to cancel everybody every second. Like, we're just in such an emotionally charged time where I feel like it's really necessary to speak out on things. And yeah. people even come at me sometimes. Like, I posted Bell Let's Talk the other day, and I'm there beefing with five people. What being they, like, they, they were just like, well, Bell's a horrible company. And Bell... Um, laid off people during COVID, so obviously they don't care about mental health. And Bell uh, charges prisoners to make phone calls. And I'm there like, I just want to talk about mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bell's talking about it. They're using day. the hashtag, yeah. And I'm just promoting the mental health conversation. I'm mm -hmm. not saying I support Bell. I think, yeah, you're making a difference in that aspect for sure, 100%. Because mental health is at the end of the day the focal point of it. That's all you I know? want. I think we're also in a very hypersensitive culture. I think. The media has a lot to play with it. You know, right now what we're seeing is truckers versus healthcare workers. <laughs> I didn't know they were going against each other, but apparently, you know, CB24 and all these places make it seem that way. But yeah, man, I just it's there's a lot of division right now, bro. A lot. A lot of division. Right, and even when you try to spread love, sometimes you sometimes can get oh, caught up in that division. Shit. Right. So it's yeah. like I'll continue to spread my message. I'll continue to spread love and positivity. But I just know that it's an emotionally charged time, so we need that. Do you ever feel like it's tough to continuously spread love? Because I know there's, there's obviously negativity in your life. Everyone suffers or, or encounters negativity, right? Do you ever feel like there's times where you're like, yo, this, I'm just not feeling it today, bro? It you know? can be, it, yes. And the short answer, yes. Because it can be draining to give so much, but not give to yourself, right? Mm. So I think that's the part of it where I'm obviously trying to find the balance because there's, there's times where I've been a people pleaser, like, even up until recently, like I try to, I say yes to everybody. Sometimes I have a hard time saying no. And True. I try to really just say yes to everybody and do everything for everybody. Spread love. I got you. I got you. But there's times where you're drained of that because you haven't actually spread that love to yourself. And those are the times where I get drained. Yeah. So yeah, 100%. Who heals the healer. Exactly. You know what I mean? That's the craziest part, man. That's a, I, saw, I, I won't lie. I kind of have, I relate to you in that aspect. Like I have a hard time saying no. Um... I have a hard time finding time for just myself. Like my mom even said, yo, you gotta slow down, bro. Cause you're always 
A, B, C. Like, you never find time. And I think that's the most valuable thing, bro, is finding time for yourself. My mom says the same thing to me. Yeah. And what's crazy is I read a quote last week. I might probably will misquote it, but it said, which was interesting. I felt almost attacked by this quote. It was like, yeah. a lot of us hate ourselves. That's why we have a hard time spending time alone with ourselves. We always got to be occupied by somebody, something. TV's got to be on, music's got to be on. But we can't even just sit there and be still. And I was like, whoa. That's crazy. Is this author talking to me? I'm that like, is this real? Lie. That one hit me, Lil. I don't even lie, bro. That's... Do I hate myself? Or is that what, is that what they're trying Stop. to say? Shit, yo. <laughs> but I, I, it, it caused me to reflect for a second and say, wait mm. a second. Like, I'm, I really am spending a lot of time trying to distract myself from myself. Yeah, like, you hear the word workaholic a lot. And, you know, we're in a, a time now where working and overworking and being productive is glamorized, right? If you don't, you're lazy. You yeah. go to bed by 7, 8 p.m. and wake up by 5, 6, you're lazy. You know, if you don't do a million tasks a day, you're lazy. So it's tough to kind of, like, separate yourself from that and just lay back and say, yo, no, I'm, I'm going to just kick up to it. Let me watch some Netflix. Let me read a book. Let me, let me listen to a podcast. Let me just sit still. It's really tough because I, I suffer from all the time, bro. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I feel like I'm not doing something, I feel just... Like, there's this voice in my head that says, yo, you're fucking a waste, man. Lazy. You know what, what I mean? Like, <laughs> I swear, it's crazy, bro. But I'm, I'm trying to find ways to, like, get around that. I don't know if you ha have that same experience, but, like, it's, it's tough. 100% it's tough because, like, and, and sometimes, like, look back and question. Because, like, all the jobs I told you I worked, there was a time I was doing those at the same time. That's nuts. Bartending, working at the city. Working on yeah, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, you're right. In Edmonton, I was working all those jobs. Right, and I'm there thinking about it now, reflecting on it, and I'm like, was I doing that to distract myself from something? Because I didn't need the money. I I, I love the money, but I didn't yeah. need it. I was just that was just yeah. something I I was doing. Do you think a part of it was the socialization aspect of it too? Because a lot of times when you when you're by yourself, it, let's be real, it can be boring. Of course. Right? You have to answer some hard questions with yourself. You, you see a lot of, of the imbalances and the, the issues with yourself. But when you're around people, like, you can just have regular conversation. They can distract you. You can distract them. It's, it's fun sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Do you ever feel like that might be part of it? Or? Oh, for sure it's part of it. Because, yeah. like, I'm a social person. Like, I love to be around people. I love to talk to people. Shit, you're big brother winner, bro. Of course. <laughs> what do you mean, bro? Shit. The ultimate social game. But, like, um, but I, do, yeah. I do have a limit to it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I need my recharge time. Yeah. But I do love to be around people, right? But then I, there, there has to be that balance. Like, life is all about balance. Mm. And sometimes I go overboard with the being around people and not spending time with myself. When did you realize that was a problem? <sighs> Over the last few years. Yeah. I'm getting better at like addressing it and yeah. working on it, but it, over the last over the last few years, I've noticed during COVID, especially especially during COVID, yeah. right? When COVID hit, you're just like, wait a second, yeah, what do I do with myself? You kind of have to like, you ever see that Will Smith meme when he's in the crib, just when the crib's empty? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's what kind of I feel yeah. like a lot of people encountered that now, where you have to answer some questions about yourself and and. Pivot maybe, and because that's what I did too, bro. Just with not playing basketball anymore, and you know, actually seeing real life, it's tough. It is. <laughs> it's tough, and for you too, you had that same transition. Like I feel like from from my point of view, what you're doing right now is so outside of the box. You're not in a nine to five. You you're you're discovering creative aspects about yourself. You know, you have your own organization. Like there's there's things that. Like a regular daughter, regular nine to five will look at him like, oh, that's that's different. You know what I mean? How did you even like 
What was your decision to like move outside of the box in that aspect, man? How did I come to that conclusion? Yeah, because it's not, it's, it's unusual for sure. So I would say that a big part of that was actually Big Brother, right? Mm -hmm. As much as that show was very entertaining, we sat there probably 90% of the time doing nothing. No so way. Nothing, like nothing at all. Like just wake up, brush your teeth. Hey, hold on, hold on, wait, hold on. Post it up on, in the house. Hold on, hold on, wait. So you're telling me a lot of, I see the production of the show. Most of the time you're just chilling on the couch, just talking. Chilling. 90% of the time. Think about it, I was there for 69 days. What you see is probably 5% of what was going on in there. I literally would wake up, good morning house guests, please wake up. We'll brush my teeth, make breakfast, and we're chilling. Just like, yeah. Imagine, and we can't talk about, we can't talk about celebrities. We can't read, we can't write. You can't we can't call read, our family. Can't read a book? Can't oh, call your... No, 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 no. You're, I, like you're in a box, like it's a social experience. Like they took you out the world, put you in this box, with these people, figure it out. That's what it is. No rating, no writing, nothing to distract you from Damn. the people. Yeah. It's fully social. So it's like you're either talking to people or you're sitting by yourself thinking. Or thinking about what happened to memorize your days to see like, okay, this happened on this day, this happened. That's what you're doing. Did you ever, did you ever lose it yourself or see people kind of lose it mentally? You see people go off the edge, yeah. right? Because think about it, like if nothing else is going, in your going on in your life outside of that, anything that happens in there means everything. I was crying. Like, when people leave the house, I'd be crying, be like, oh my God. Like, I, in real life, that would never happen. And my boy gets evicted, I'd be like, oh, yeah, don't yeah, know. That's what happened yeah, in real life. I'll ask you later, bro. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. on the show, I was, I, was, I was balling, right? Like, all these yeah. emotions I had on the show are not emotions that I express in real life. Is yeah. it because I'm distracted all the time? I don't know. But everything was so heightened in there. Yeah. Your dad was on 10, for sure. 100%. But the thing is, when you're, you're, when you're around, how many people were on the show? There were 14 at the start. When you're around 14 people in a box, you're going to get irritated at some point, too. Of course. Certain, certain habits would be like, okay, yo, stop doing that shit, right? There's a lot of things that would, I mean, me personally, there's a lot of things that would annoy me, so I can't imagine how it was for you. I have a question. Well, this is random. Did you actually have to eat the sludge? The slop? Yeah, the slop. Yeah, yeah I did. You actually have to eat that? That's all, when, when you're put on that, that's yeah. all you can, that, water, coffee, and tea. You couldn't even ask for like a piece of bread? No. The like coffee, you need bread. I told this girl, I'm like, yo, you can't sneak me bread in the washroom. So leave it on the, <laughs> but you know they can hear you. You're mic'd up all yeah, the time. the whole time, right? So it's like, yeah. you can't, like, you Wait, can't you, lie to them. Even when you sleep? There's a mic above your bed. So when you go to bed, you take out, so it's, it's actually a mic pack, not too, sim not too dissimilar from this, Damn. where you wear it around your neck. And then when you go to bed, you put it on the bedside table. There's mics above. But when you get up to the bathroom, you gotta put the mic back on. So if you fart, they're hearing that. Everything. Every they that's hear, system. see everything. Damn, bro. How that's that's in, to me that sounds invasive, bro. How is that for someone that's not used to that to enter into that world, bro? The spotlight's on you. Like, how did you adjust to that? It was tough, right? I was very careful. I realized, like, going in, obviously being a black person or a mm. black man. You know that you're a minority on the show. Yeah, already. In that season, actually, we weren't really minority because there's actually a lot of black people. Yeah, Latoya, people. Um, Jetson, um, who else? Latoya, Jetson, Brayden. Brayden, yeah. Uh, Victoria. Yep. Myself. That's crazy. I feel like Big Brother does a good job of kind of diversifying, but in terms of black and black people, yeah. You, that season was they did a really they they did a really good job. They made a cognizant effort to do that, right? But as a black man, going in, I'm like. I don't want to feel like I have the weight of the black community on my shoulders, but it's going to feel like I have that because anything I do could be representing black people. Mm. So it's like, I have to watch what I say. I have to act a certain way. Like I didn't, there's so many, I didn't say nigga. 
You never mm. heard me say that on the show because I'm like, I don't know how that's going to look. I don't yeah. want to come off the wrong way. I'll never say that on here, right? There were certain things I didn't, I didn't yell at nobody. I didn't get upset at anybody. The most I give someone is a stern talking to because I'm like, I'm not going to look like an angry black man. I'm not going to say nigga. I'm not, there's so many things I wasn't doing because there was an example that I had to set and I knew that. Mm. So as much as I was trying to be myself, I still had to really think about everything before I said it. There's a thin line you had to tread. 100%. For 22 episodes, that's tough. 100%. I couldn't imagine, though, because I think a big part of what you're saying is representation, right? There's little kids, there's little black kids that, or anyone that's seeing you and looking up to you, like, okay, that's, that's someone I kind of aspire to be because, you know, I can attest, anyone really can attest, as, as a black person, you only see yourself painted in, in literally one box and one mm -hmm. picture, as you're the rapper, a hooper, uh, uh, drug, anything, drug, anything. Like, you see yourself in this box, and like to see someone in your position now, it's like, okay, I could do something different. You know what I mean? Especially for the youth, man. And, and that was really the message I was trying to send. There's, I, I said going in, there's a bigger message than just winning. There's, 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 a, there's a different story I want to tell. And that was it. And from that time in reflection, I was like, this nine to five job, it's great. It's a career that I wanted, but I think there's more I can do here. Mm. There's, a, there's a bigger purpose for me right now out here, and I'm going to explore what that is. And I'm going to take at least a year from my, I'm going to leave my job and take at least a year to find out what it is that I'm actually passionate about, what it is that I want to do. Yeah. And I'm going to try it. And one of those things was social media influencing. I like that. Another one was speaking, acting, modeling, YouTube, content creation. You're running out of fingers, bro. And I was like, I was, but in, yeah. in saying all that, it's like I was trying, I feel like I'm also trying to do the most. Yeah. You're doing the most, but I think I'm a firm believer as, as humans, we're never meant to do just one thing throughout our whole life, bro. I think that's the most dull, boring thing possible because, you know, what's that, that, that phrase that goes, uh, jack of all trades, master of none? I think it's kind of cool to try different shit. Find out what you like, find out what you don't like. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to, you don't want to leave Earth and, and kind of have that curiosity and think, okay, well, I wish I could have done that. Exactly, right? I wish I should have done this, you know? And that was the same thought that crossed my mind. Like, imagine I left the show and just went back to my... Because in my... Okay, prior to going on the show, I told you, had I won, I would go back to my job and buy a house. Yeah. And when I reflect on that now, I'm like, ew. Yeah. I really would have just bought a house and had a mortgage and felt night. Like, I wouldn't... I'd have felt so empty. I'd like nothing really changed in my life. I just have a, yeah, a condo now. Property, yeah. Like I think that's an accomplishment. Like I'm not, I'm not denouncing that, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to really think is like, would that have made me, would that have been fulfilling to me? Yeah. And I like the answer the, is I like no. The, I like the word you use fulfilling, bro. I think a lot of times people use the word happy. Yeah. And that's also valid too. But fulfilling is important. Buying that bag next week is not going to make you fulfilled. Buying the hoodie at square one is not going to make you fulfilled. But I think this, all t like this whole episode, this theme, bro, I think it's all about giving back, bro. That's what I'm getting from, from you, bro, is like making a difference, but making a difference affecting other people. It is. It's important because yeah, I can tell you, like, for me growing up, man, there's a lot of people in my life that have made a difference on me, and they'll forever have this, this place in my mind that's just, they're held to the highest standard, the highest estate in my mind, you know? And I think that's what is the most valuable, right? You can give someone a, a shirt and, or a food for the day and they can, they'll be thankful, but how did you really impact them or affect them, you know, on a day-to-day -day type thing, right? I got some people in this room that do that daily, 
You feel me? So I think like I'm, I'm completely on board with what you're doing here, bro. But isn't that what you've been doing for a long time too? Like bro. you've also been giving back. Yeah, like you're bro. not just doing this for yourself. Nah. You're doing this to tell a story. That's in a message. That's that's the biggest thing, man. It's storytelling. And that's that's why I created this platform, bro. I said it on the last episode. It's literally to, to create a platform for other people to, to speak on, to 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 provide re relatability for people. People might be listening to this episode and be like, yo, I, I kind of, I like that shit here. That affected me. That kind of got me out of this slump, you know? Because at, at the end of the day, that's what helps me, bro. Like, when I get those messages, I'd be like, yo, I love the, the content you guys are putting out, bro. You know, that got me through this, or that was funny, bro. Keep doing you. Like, that, that, it motivates me, but it also lets me know that what I'm doing is making a difference. You know, and you see those same messages too, right? 100%. And it's like, even from what I've been seeing your content over the last couple of years, it's the same thing I thought. I'm like, I'm watching this and being like, it's the realness, it's the authenticity that we fall in love with. We're like, yo, that, that one hit. Wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Someone else gets it. Someone yeah. else is going through what I'm going through. That kind of feeling lets you know that you're not alone. That's what I'm gonna say. Knowing you're not alone is a huge yo. Yeah, trust me. I think a lot of times when you go through problems, the problem is bad, don't get me wrong, but being alone, the real problem I think is worse. Mm -hmm. When you know you're alone through a problem, that's like, you kind of have to look and just like, okay, fuck, I feel like I'm just, no one's gonna get me through this. I'm in a slump, like what, where do I go? Where do I turn to? But when you, when you have a problem and you have someone you could turn to, when you can call, fuck yo. That's, that's, that's important right there, yo. Exactly, you know right? I mean, that's, yo, that's all the difference, man. And to see us getting there, like, it, it, even this conversation we're having, why yeah. I think, even to me, why it's so impactful is because I think as black men, we didn't grow up always talking about our feelings, how we feel about know, things. Hell fucking no. And even to our friends, like, I just feel like we're no. starting to get into a time where we're just scratching the surface yeah. about talking about, like, what really bothered us? How did that really feel? What really broke our heart? Like that's that's just starting, but we're we're even breaking down barriers just by having this authentic, honest conversation about feelings, about mental. Like this to me is special. Bro, I told my my homies like I love them like for the first time ever like a year ago. I think I'm 25. Like, you, know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? That's that's because growing up that was a full pod. That was taboo. Hundred like, percent. You love bro, fire, full style. You love me? What you mean, bro? That type of shit is weird, right? So I think it's it's important to. To, to break down those barriers, man. Because I think at the end of the day, it makes all the difference, man. Like, I think emotions are something that's not easy for us to talk about, too. You know, being, where, where your, what's your background? My, my dad's side is Jamaican, my mom's side is Antigua. Okay, so you're, you're from the island. I'm Jamaican, too, bro. Yeah. I'm Jamaican. So it's like, growing up for me, that was never a topic to talk about. And even my mom, growing up for her, was never a topic to talk about. If something was wrong, drink tea. Go for a walk. Yo, trust me, you know what I'm you know saying? What I mean? Put some Vicks on your forehead. Like there's these things that don't work. <laughs> don't work, but they kind of just been slapped on as a band-aid to say, okay, yeah, go on about your day, you're good now. Mm -hmm. You know? It, it's so true. It's like work hard. Yeah. What if I'm not feeling good inside? I'm like I'm not in the right mind state right now. I'm just supposed to just go out and work hard? Like yeah. we're not gonna talk about how I'm feeling or yeah. what I'm going through or LeBron James, bro. Past two years, he's been, during the whole Black Lives Matter movement, he spoke out a lot and people have been telling him, like, yo, shut up and dribble. You don't know what you're saying. Stop talking. Like, how, what do you feel about that? Because it's, it's, it's tricky. It, it's one of those things where it's like, he ha he's allowed to have an opinion, just like we have an opinion. His opinion just seems to hold more weight because it gets more media coverage. Like, to tell someone to shut up and dribble, like, I think that's, 
That's absolutely ridiculous. It's arrogant, for sure. It boxes them in. Yeah. That's exactly what we've been saying. Like, as people, we never want to do one thing. So, and this is the thing too, there's two sides to it. Because a lot of people might think that, okay, who makes, what makes you so special to even speak out about it? Like, you're just a hooper. You know nothing about politics. You know nothing about economics. You know nothing about X, Y, and Z. So, who are you to even talk about this? I mean, there's two sides, but I think it's important never to box someone in just because they're good at something else. And I do think we hold a lot of people to a higher regard. I think I used to have this perception that politicians are like this utmost stand-up, you know, perfectionist that we have to abide by, we have to listen to. And I'm like, I think, you know what triggered it for me was the, the, the Rob Ford, yeah. the, the crack, yeah, that crack situation. I'm like... When was that, like, oh, not probably like 2013, 12? Yeah, around there, yeah. Around then, that's when I'm like, okay, you guys aren't perfect. No. They're normal people. No, I even think about, like, sometimes I put myself in, in their shoes. Like, even, like, Justin Trudeau and the, the whole weed charity scandal. There's a whole scandal, Gosh, yeah. and he's putting on his people. I'm like, if I was a politician, would I try to put on my people? Probably. Ideally, it, it, yeah. <laughs> ideally, like ideally, like I try to do as much as I can for the people I know with without mm. breaking the law. But it's like when you see certain things take place that look fishy, it's like mm -hmm. these are just people. They're yeah. trying to hook up who they can and do the best for their people first. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because they're in a position that's expected to help all people, mm -hmm. right? And I I don't think it's possible you can please everyone. I think that's a myth. I think it's highly irrational. Um, but again, that's just, this is a guy who's been caught for blackface. <laughs> you know, I've seen the pics, man. Like, there's some foul, some very foulness, but this is also the same guy that's calling out, you know, he's calling out uh, racist during this whole protest. Like, there's, you can see the irony in this. It, it's interesting, though, but it, it also goes back to what we were talking a little bit about before, about, you know, what he did back then, does that define him as yeah. the same person that he is today? People are allowed to change, right? They're allowed to, and, and if we're being real, like blackface back then, wasn't seen in the light that it's seen now. Yeah, it w it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was more normalized. That not that's a bad word to say. It's. It wasn't as faux pas. People, you can yeah. be it for Halloween, but now, like we were just talking about, it's everything's hyper sensualized. It's, it's not even the right word. Everything's hyper sensitized, right? People see things, they're like, okay, no, that's wrong. You know, and I think I don't think that's a bad thing too, because with blackface, obviously as black people, we look at that, we're like, yo, this is some foul shit. Oh, it is. What are you doing here? It one it one hundred percent is, yeah. and it's like, of course, I feel like he has to answer for that, but I don't feel like we should use that to define his character today. Yeah. Like I don't think that's necessarily fair. You know. Yeah, I think pulling shit from like 10, 20 years ago, I think that's, in, in my in my opinion, that's pathetic. We see it now with the Joe Rogan scandal. You know, you have this guy from 10 years ago. And it's tricky, too, man, because the first part, like, they're attacking him for the misinformation. Now they're attacking him for being a racist. And then now the monkey situation. Like, the first two things, I'm like, okay, Joe, this, this is not, it's not that crazy. Like, I understand why you said these things or, or what kind of motivated you to say these things. The monkey situation got me. <laughs> I won't even lie, but the monkey situation was like, I kind of had to pause the podcast a little bit. I haven't listened to it in a couple of days, but I don't know. I don't think you can ever cancel a guy like that. Joe? It's tough. I don't think you can. I, I mean, you can if it got to a point of, of no return. Yeah. But I don't think, like, judging by the way we've described his comments, we think they were insensitive. We think they were hurtful. We, think, we don't think they're the right comments to make. 
but it wasn't at a level where we're like we never want to hear from this guy again. Yeah, he, it wasn't there. Bro, he his pod, his platform is is very very valuable. He brings on politicians, scientists, geog like people from all walks of life, and I don't think it's. I think it does more of a detrimental to people and society to, to cancel a guy like that because this is a guy, he, he literally has a culture and a chokehold. You know, he doesn't answer, he doesn't really answer to anyone besides Spotify. And he, he even then has pulled, but this is a guy who is not, you know, he's, is, he has a decentralized platform, right? And so to have the guy with this much influence, it only makes sense to take him out. And they do it with so many, it's just like, it's a, it's a pattern throughout history. So I don't know, it's, it's, just, it's a tricky situation there, but. You know, just valuable and not answering anyone. Being your own boss, you know what I'm saying? That's the life. That's the life. That's the life that I want to live. That's like, what you've been doing. I've been trying to do it. I, I have been living it. Like, yeah. being my own boss. And it's like, don't get me wrong, I love it. But there's also another side of it that not everybody always talks about. Like, everybody was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be my own boss. <laughs> and everybody thinks it's for everybody. Yeah. It's over, you know what it is? It's over glamorized. Yes. People make it look pretty, like, don't work for no one be your own boss, be an entrepreneur, but not many people realize is when you first start, it's, you're not, it's not consistent. There's a lot of hurdles you have, to, you have to learn the game. People are trying to play a game they don't even know the rules to, and you're putting in more hours than a regular nine to five. I have no idea what I'm doing some days. You have to create your own structure. Yeah, and that's okay. But it, it, yeah, I'm yeah, not saying it's not okay, yeah. but you have to have that discipline to do that. Yeah. There's a certain level of discipline that comes with being an entrepreneur that people don't realize. You're not just sitting on a beach um, and money's just coming to your, into your account, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which yeah. is what you thought. Like your business is just running and you're good. Like yeah. it, no matter what it was. Mm -hmm. Even if you had like a, a cafe, you think all oh, the cafes just gonna be making money. Are you making sure your staff are doing what they're supposed to do? Yeah. Are you making sure that it, the business is running the way it's supposed to run? Like you still have to have that hands-on approach or you'll lose your money. But I think there's a, you're right. It's been over glamorized. What are your, what are your thoughts on, um because we're in a society now that, that preaches entrepreneurship. What are your thoughts on, if, imagine if everyone was an entrepreneur. Do you think something like that's possible? Do you think we still need the nine to fives? Like what are you, where, what's your perspective on that? I, I, I don't think everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur. It's just, it's a certain personality type that fits that, that style of life and that fits, not everybody can be a business owner. Not everybody can be a leader. How can we have a society of all leaders? It just wouldn't work. Can you who? see it? Like who? Who's leading who? Exactly, right? And, and yeah, it's the yeah. same thing with entrepreneurship. I just can't see how we could have a society full of entrepreneurs. But this is what we've been pre this is what everybody is preaching. So this is the thing. A society full of entrepreneurs are selling a product. Who are they selling it to? <laughs> and that's what I mean. You feel me? It's, it's weird, yeah. But no, in, in terms of your case, and I think a lot of terms in, in, with our generation, I think it's important to know what you want, to make a decision. Um, one of my homies, he, his, his dad actually gave me the realest game, bro. He just said, just sim as simple as this, he said, yo, make a choice. A lot of times with us, we, we want to try different things and, and experiment, and that's great, that's good, but we're always on this, uh, I guess we're on a fence, you can kind of call it. Not many people know exactly what they want to do, and it's okay, but to make a choice, to actually make a choice and say, oh no, this is what I want to do. I'm going to put my all into this. That's what I've seen you've been doing that too, but to actually make a choice, that's, that's probably one of the most powerful things you could do, especially at our age too, man. Like, I 100% agree. Even in, one of, in my, one of my talks today, when I was talking to the students, I said the same thing. Find your purpose and go all in on that. Yeah. Because it's like along that journey, there's going to be a door 
that leads you to another crossroads where it's like you're gonna have to make a decision, right? But if you find your purpose and go all in on something, you're gonna find the path to where you wanna go at some point. But yeah. when you keep, when you try to stay on this fence, well, there isn't any momentum. You're just kinda play the middle. Yeah, teeter-tottering, it's, it's, it's risky too, as well. What are your thoughts or what type of advice do you have for people that are trying to find their purpose or trying to find something that they're interested in? Because it's a hard thing to do, man. I think if you don't already know uh, things that you like, go out, go out and try new things, right? Like if you don't know, like is there, if there isn't something already in your life where you're like, I enjoy doing this, mm. how can I monetize this? Or how can I make this into a living? If you don't have anything like that in your life right now, mm -hmm. try different things. Is there something that you liked as a child that you gave up because you were so busy being an adult? Yeah. Right? Is there something that is there something is there something in your life that you haven't done or just something that you used to enjoy that you stopped doing? Right? Look for that thing you enjoy. And if yeah. you can find a way to monetize that, go ahead and do it. And it has to be fulfilling. It's not only about the money. It has to be fulfilling. It has to yeah. be fulfilling. But I, that's why I, I went back to enjoyment. Mm -hmm. When it's something you enjoy, usually it's something that is fulfilling. Yeah, there's a, f I think it was a Japanese term. It's called the ik ikigai. I don't know if you guys heard of that. It's, it's about finding, it's like four components, but one is finding something you love doing. The second part is finding something that will get you paid. The third part is finding something that will make a difference. And the fourth part is finding something that... I forgot the fourth part. I think it's like something you. Anyways, it's like these three or four components that all combine, and when you when you combine them and your purpose aligns with that, then that's when you know what you're doing is what you want to do. I think that's important too, because some people might be doing what gets them paid, but not what they like doing, or what they like doing, but not what gets them paid. So, it's a tough balance, especially in this this era we're in now, to like to find that. You know, it's really crazy. So. Um, yeah, but before we wrap this episode up, bro, again, it's been a pleasure having you on. Ms. Haley, before we done this shit, bro, but before, before we done this shit, bro, like, what's any, any type of last words you want to get off or anything you want to tell the kids that are, be, that are listening to this or people that are listening to this? I always say to the kids, it's, like, it's my first quote I usually come in, it's said, leave the world a better place than you found it. Yeah. Right? That's, that's one of the biggest quotes that I live by. I try to leave an impact on this world and try to spread positivity and spread love and leave it better than I found it. I think it's just about building authentic and genuine relationships and really treating people as you want to be treated. Not how they treat you, as you'd want to be treated. That's a very, I hear that quote all the time, bro. But it doesn't really hit me, you know what I mean? Treat people as you want to be treated? Yeah. It doesn't hit because I think it's, it's been said so much, I don't think mm -hmm. people really take it literally, mm -hmm. right? Because there's so many times where I hear people talk about treating people in reaction to how they're being treated by yeah, that person. That's, that's, to me, that, that, you're letting that person dictate how you move. Exactly. You give them all the power, the ball's in their court. I completely agree with that. Before we wrap this up, I actually want to talk about their, you had a school, your school talk, yeah. How was that, how'd it go? My motivational talk with yeah. the students, it, it went really well. Yeah. It was my first in-person one since we've been in this whole pandemic. And it got me, it gave me a real opportunity to spread some knowledge and, and tell kids about my life and my experiences in hopes of inspiring them to overcome the barriers that they're facing and, and give them a chance to, to grow and learn. And why am I losing my train of thought? Bro, I, <laughs> Yo, does it, is it weird, is it weird kind of being in your position now? Cause you, you were a kid at one point too. So the being in that position now, is it, does it feel any different? Does it feel like 
like you said, you use the word fulfilling all the time. Does you, it feel like that? You know, what, you know what I'll say? I, I would say like doing an inspirational, motivational talk like that left me, they always say like look at how you feel inside after you do something mm -hmm. really tells you whether or not that thing is for you. And after having that talk with the kids, I knew that that's for me. And that's the feeling I get whenever I have good conversations with people and they've inspired me and I've inspired them. I leave feeling fulfilled. Like you got something like out I of it. Like I got something out of it. Yeah. And that's, that's what made it special. Social media, fulfilling in a, a bit, but it's, it's a little bit impersonal. Like as much as I spread a message, it doesn't have that same effect as that in person. Yeah. And, and I really love being in person and, and telling my story and connecting with the youth. Like connecting that's, and listening. And listening. Like I'm say, man. That's the yeah. gem right there, bro, listening. Well, anyways, man, on that note, bro, Tashan, again, oh, it's been, it's been a blessing having you on here, bro. been learning a lot. So um, where can the viewers find out more about what you're doing and keep up to you? YouTube. I, I think I'm, I'm really using YouTube right now to document a lot of the different things that I'm doing in my life. So Tashawn Carter Newman on YouTube, and then Tashawn X Carter on Instagram, and on TikTok as well. And no more. All right, we live, bro. Of course. We live. On that note, we out. Appreciate you, dog. Of course.